Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's week number two of the NFL Dream Preview. And we've got the full Wise Guy Roundtable. Let's make the pick pod this pod. So let's see if RJ is disciplined or not. Showtime! Woo! Here's the difference. We start the show with best bets. Most shows end the show with best bets. Because they think, oh, once they get the best bets, who's going to want to listen? Well, we know the numbers show you want to listen until the very end. Oh, by the way, Fez and Maddie will give a second best bet usually a prop or a derivative or a teaser, first half this, who knows, a different kind of more sophisticated bet at the end. So there there is something to wait for. But we start with the best bets. Faz, last year you had an exceptional year on the best bets. You've got the two super contests, only got to ever do that. You get the honors. Detroit Lions plus two and a half hosting the Chargers. Oh, Maddie, got to love this one. Oh, I love it. What I it? absolutely love it. You got to tell me succinctly what it is that you like about Detroit. I mean, because you said, "Oh, I wish we had the tape on this." You said, "I believe that the Detroit Lions are better than the Green Bay Packers," and this was like week three last season. And though the Packers ended up not being very good, they did their part. Yeah, like what do you like? I liked what I saw at Matthew Stafford and company, and look, they put up over six yards. You've been batting them almost every week for years. But I really thought they made the improvements that you needed to see, and I I think they have a balanced offense now. But what I also really like is the injury situation in this game. All right, so let's. let's I just was like, I, I feel like you guys are like a cabal here making your picks. So I'm going to let Fez do his analysis, and then Maddie's next. Well, I think Maddie and I are on the same page in that. Well, I'm sure you are. Four of the key <laughs> starters for the Chargers are out. Now, you can make the case, hey, Melvin Gordon, running backs don't matter when you got Austin Eckler and the kid from Northwestern. But three more key injuries. Their tight end, Hunter Henry, he's very good. He's out now. Well, hold on a second, Fez. It sounds like trite radio talk. So, do, how much do you think the Gordon is worth? Half a point. Mm hmm. And they didn't have him last week. So, in a weird way, it's almost like the guy retired. Right. For this year, it seems. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is is it's not an injury. It's not something where we thought he might be right. here. They they haven't had him. He hasn't taken one snap, right? Correct. So I'm not sure you can like the other team because the guy that's never been here isn't here. still not there. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, so Hunter Henry is very important. He's their tight end. Yes. He just got went ahead and got reported that he's injured and he's out. Now, how many points is he worth? little less than half a point. So not you're saying effectively he doesn't move the needle. But a lot of offenses now really focus on using the tight end. They are important in NFL offenses now. I know. We're all behind in our work just because there's so much to do early in the year. But by week six, you've got to make – I want to see this magical list 
of all the players worth a half a point. Fair enough. Because and I'm thinking if we went back and did an audit, that there'd be like 77 of them that you've talked And another about. guy worth half a point, Russell Okun, on the offensive line for the Chargers. He's their best lineman, RJ. The Chargers were ranked 29th by Pro Football Focus, their line. They got a bad O-line with Okun. So they were 29th last year, you're saying? Yes, with. So somehow they went, what was their record? 12 wins for the Chargers. 12 wins. And somehow that means that they have a horrible offensive line. That was. Do you question pro football focus there, maybe? Maybe a little bit. A little bit, huh? Okay, go ahead. Bottom line is it's not the strength of the team. It's the weakness of the team, and now their best lineman is out. But then you can make the case that how do you get much worse? Right. They're also missing other keys. Their key safety, Derwin James, another cornerback, another defensive back, a, a second number two wide receiver, Mike Williams. It's just it's one of those weeks. So we think a the cluster market, of injuries. Yeah, we think the more. But I'm always concerned about things that are publicly known. Right. And I get some of them it. just came out today. Okay, so what's the current market versus this? Uh, you know, what, our number here. And remember, guys, for this pod, because we're and. You know, I actually wasn't explicit about one thing. The three best bets are automatically three picks in the Super Contest, three of them. And then we end up having two more. Now, we hold the right to change it if something really big happens. But I think we did that twice all last year. So uh, very unlikely or uncommon for us to do that. So, Fez, what's the current market price? Two and a half. And the Super Contest again? Two and a half. All right, so if it came out today, or I mean, it, like this morning at post practices, yeah. So the theory out. is that if it would have mattered to the market, the line would have moved, right? Well, yeah, that's by yeah, definition. Sure. So the only way this injury talk makes sense to me is we think the market just is under. So do you believe? Which I do. So I mean, I'm kind of being rhetoric, rhetorical here. Is do you believe that if someone was just a true injury expert, where they know the backup, you know, just really understand this stuff? Because that's a specialty all by itself. Likelihood of a guy questionable playing, et cetera. Do you think he could beat the NFL just with that information? I think he could come. I mean, he would have high volume. Yes, I do. So I guess what quickly are the ways that the market tends to underreact? Or uh, market underreacts, which means there's value playing against the team with the injury. I feel like when there's seven or eight injuries for a team mm-hmm. – that even if they're not cluster injuries, that the distractions for the coaching staff, oh, we got to make a compensation See, here. I've never heard – this is a new concept. I've never heard that. I completely concept. agree with that. I, I, is that a con – I mean, that's crazy. You've never said that, Fez. Because I, I, gotta, I have never said that. But think about it. Oh, i got to adjust for my old line. i got to spend extra time for that. Oh, I need to work on my tight end. Oh, and i got Derwin James out at safety. There's a whole lot you got to focus in on your game planning and change. And the offense does change when you're number two receiver. You're starting tight end. Mm. Suddenly, all the routes change. It's multiple players on offense, and then it's multiple players in your secondary. So it's the whole compensation distraction and compensation. Distraction, Fez, I think you laid out well. The compensation idea is your, I guess you're compensating, is the idea of, okay, we don't have our number two receiver. We're going to run it a little bit more. And we won't run as many of these types of routes because he's good at that. Okay, that's fine. Except, wait a minute, you have two linemen out, so how do you run the ball? So though they're not cluster in the same position group, there's a compounding effect. That's right. Yes. And if you only have a few of them injuries, you can compensate. 
But if there's holes everywhere, what do you do? Uh, so it's two plus two equals five. Yes. That's fascinating. Now, I've always understood that at the cluster, but not so much just the team. And, and I think more side of the ball for the, or it has to be side of the ball for the yes. compensation part of it, the compensating part. And with the distraction, I guess it's just all of it, right? Correct. Right, and, and on the other side correct. of the ball, no injuries. You're saying correct, like you're teaching a class, <laughs> but after seven years, it's the first time you mention it. So I wouldn't be like being all haughty with correct. You are following me. Congratulate. No, you're coming out with something new. That's awesome, actually. But you don't have to have the pro- professorial tone, <laughs> yes. right? All right. What else? Because I got some concerns. Okay. I think it. I think it's a bad spot for the Chargers. They just won in overtime. It is a bad spot. So they had to play more than regulation time, and they're shorthanded. So there's history here, right? So what's the history of teams off of overtime? Do not have that number. So and both games are coming it, huh? off overtime, obviously. Both teams are coming off overtime. That's an interesting but, point. But now yeah. the Chargers have to travel to Detroit, to the East Coast, for so the theory, a 10 a.m. start time. So here, but no data. Because I'm not sure. It's early in the year. How do you account for that? Right? If they're probably least fatigued now, they're going to be any point of the year. Right. So, I see, that's the thing. You can have a great handicap and then you keep going. It's almost like you won't quit talking until you say something dumb. Like, like you keep talking and talking and talking. And then finally you like, okay, I know, how, I know my limit. My seventh point wasn't good. And dumb was a strong word. Something that doesn't make sense. The or, early, the, I think the early start time is very bad. We've spoken about that in weeks one and two. When your your team has been used to playing preseason night games, so week two, you th- think that's the case? I think week one is the worst, and then by week four or five, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Oh, whoa! You disagree? Whoa! You're saying in week four, the fact that they're playing day games where five weeks ago, because you know, obviously week four, the preseason was a week before that. Five weeks ago, they played a night game. <laughs> No, I'm saying it's just the normal three-hour body clock issue. Yeah. The preseason doesn't matter anymore then. Yeah. You're yeah. saying in week four it matters. You said uh, maybe by week no, four Okay, I misspoke. Week four and five preseason doesn't matter at uh, all. But even week three you think it does. I mean, think about what I you're saying. I think week two it does. Week three probably at that point it no longer matters. Okay, so that's when I said, yeah. you're, whoa, it was, you're you right. said four or five. Meaning when you say four or five it doesn't matter. You don't have to say four or five or six or seven. You're saying four or five is saying it's between four and five. That's the only reason to say four and five, right? Yes. And so you were putting the over under at four and a half. And it should have been more like two and a half. Yes. No, you're saying two. You're saying yeah. it doesn't work in three. I think by week three, it, it's done. It's done. So that means that two is the right answer. Yes. And you said four and a half. Yes. That got the whoa. Makes sense. I should have the Joey drop from Blossom. <laughs> All right. So. I agree with most of I wonder if I could have a green, how many points he'd have on a game. Would he go to the 19th point, the 20th point? And he, well, he didn't even get into Matthew Stafford's well, ahead, performance. Yes. 385 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And they said that they were going to get the tight end more involved. We all knew they had Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. They said they were intentionally going to get the tight end more involved in this offense. Nine targets, six receptions. 131 yards and a touchdown for rookie tight end TJ Hawkinson. I liked the way this Detroit offense was functioning, and I thought it was functioning at a very efficient, high level until the fourth quarter came and they were up 24 to 6. 
And they changed the play calling to try to get conservative and run the clock out, and that's when their offense stalled and didn't become as efficient. So this is one of your five likes, Maddie. If I bought yes. this, it would be 800 smackaroonies. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to raise uh, one obvious concern and one not so obvious. Obvious concern, Stafford, or Stafford with his wife's illness. Kind of hard to imagine being an NFL quarterback is difficult regardless. Getting a little bit older and now distraction times 10. I know we have one data point that seems like it's not a big concern, but entering the season, you had to be concerned, right? Sure. But sometimes it's a release when home's so stressful. Sometimes going to work can be a release. But see, that's the thing. I mean, I hear you, but it just feels like NFL quarterbacks a different thing. Like he looked not calm. Doing all he the, looked uh, relaxed. Yeah, maybe he's. Yeah, who knows? Okay, and again, this might be something where over the course of time, there's an accumulation. Sure, of, of course. I mean, if he starts to drop off in week six or seven, and who knows, right? I mean, I guess it won't be public how things are going, but. If, you know, things go well with her treatment, it might be a, you know, perk them up. And, and obviously... The and there's future. always ups and downs with treatments. Yeah, yeah. So, but that, boy, that, that feels like you don't want to... It feels like, and, and again, it's kind of morbid, but we're talking money here. Maybe you never tease the lines. Because it does because feel... Because of the volatility. Yeah, it does feel yeah. like there could be some real bad games. Yeah. Huh. All right. My final point... Maybe not as obvious. So you have a coach that wants to emulate uh, Belichick, right? And for the Lions. And it's not working, at least with the wins right now. Though you could say, well, with Cleveland, he got fired, right? So, And Patricia seems to be one of these stubborn guys. Almost like he has the – like to me, one of the things about Belichick is – and I remember the play clearly – when the Colts with Peyton Manning were playing the Patriots seven years ago now, it's been a while, maybe more, and Brady and Belichick went for it on fourth and like two from their own 30 mm-hmm. late in the game. And at the time, there was no one doing anything like that. And everyone's like, crazy, you know, Colin, I remember on air, and I sent him an email and I said, this is why the math makes sense. You know, I was doing some estimates. No one got it, or at least in the mainstream media. Belichick didn't even cause him to blink because he had so much equity. Patricia has no equity. If anything, he has he's a negative when it comes to job security, right? If we were doing a draft, wouldn't Patricia go at least in the top five or seven for next coach five? Oh, absolutely. Seven for sure. Yeah. So, well, to me, it feels like that loss last week or the tie, I guess, right? The tie Tie, last week. They didn't lose, which could be a blessing. Well, it's better than losing, yeah. yeah. But it's not as good as winning. <laughs> hey, here's the official announcement, guys. Winning is better than tie. <laughs> and tie is better than losing. I agree. No debate there. Faz, you have anything on that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels like that it was coaching, too, that lost it. And that was the OC. It does feel like coaching, yes. So now the heat's ramped up. Does he look like a guy, Patricia, that's going to respond well to heat? No. He looks like a kind of guy that might respond like a heavy set guy in house kitchen in the hottest day in July and throw out like his ref- his broken air conditioner out the fourth floor window. I right think we're wrong? gonna I think we're gonna see Matthew Stafford get a longer leash this week because he, I mean his Are you comment changing the subject? No. A little bit. 
<laughs> so what's the answer? That's my job. Oh. Yeah, that's good. What's the answer, Fez? Well, I agree with you that the chemistry looks all wrong, right? That Patricia's got that scowl on his face and like, what are my guys doing out there when uh, instead of taking responsibility himself? He's just used to everyone assuming that he, you know, he saw the coach and everyone assumed he was a genius and because and, Belichick is. So whatever he asked for, people mostly did and have done. But Patricia hasn't earned that. Exactly. So he's saying, you know what? I'm going to emulate exactly what Belichick does exactly. because that works. But it doesn't work when you haven't paid your dues and proven yourself yet. And here we are. Your best bet. It is. <laughs> and and I, I love it. Ah, I'm not saying. That's like, that sounds like Matt, or uh, Maxwell Smart. <laughs> and loving it. it. But to me, I'm not saying it even is enough to get you off the game. But, boy, it's a big concern. It is a concern. You, you admit that much, right, Matt? He, yes, he's a con- especially after he and he cost him a, a victory there of twenty four to six in the fourth quarter. All right, D- pick number one, super contest pick, Detroit. Pick number two from the Vig, Matty Holt. I'm going with the L.A. Rams here, minus two and a half at home against the New Orleans Saints, and I, and I don't want to go on some long rant. I just want to keep the math simple on this one. I have the L.A. Rams power rated higher than the New Orleans Saints, just barely, but higher. In the worst case scenario, I've heard people say that they're even, but let's assume that the defending NFC champs are still slightly power rated higher than the New Orleans Saints, and the game is at home. At the very worst case scenario, this is a two and a half minus 25, you know, 2.75, 2.8 kind of feel. We only have to lay two and a half. The line should probably be three. We're getting value on the number. We're going to take that value. And I'm not sure the line shouldn't be like 3.25. This Could is my be. second yeah. best bet. And here's my rationale. In fact, we got to figure out how to integrate this, if not this season next. It's one thing to have your home field advantage. And we could debate, is it 3, is it 2.75, and all that. And the key number makes it confusing, right? Yeah, 100% but, confusing, the key number. Because if you just smidge off of the average or the, the at least the historical average of 3, it goes to 2.5, but that's worth 20 cents, so I can't mm-hmm. be a smidge, right? Correct. So correct. everyone's correct. <laughs> well, I mean, that one a lot of people don't realize, and I'm glad you talked about it. Yeah, and <laughs> we try to teach and laugh. I think that's a really good point. So I think, Fez, what we're missing, and Maddie, if you have any ideas what Sharps have done that you've seen from your prior life behind the counter, we ha- should have a number of how good, and it can just be plus or minus, plus a half, minus a half, or zero, how good they are on the road. And remember, guys, good isn't about winning records. It's about compared to the power ranking rating or ranking. All right, this team's the 16th best on the road or 16th best. They should be the 16th best on the road compared to the other road teams, right? And by definition, a team with a power rating below three for home or not power rating, but the home field advantage, you're saying the home field advantage means less to them. Right. Right. Now, the flip side is some teams being on the road is more of a disadvantage. The road team dis- disadvantage should be the phrase, I think, right? How do you calculate a road team's disadvantage? Because the Saints, Though they, if you just look at the road record, it's not horrible, but relative to their home record, this is a team with a significant 
road disadvantage. Yes, and I think this is a poignant point that's not obvious at all. What, what do we well, do? It's not only not obvious, I haven't heard you brought this up in seven a, a, years. Exactly, and I, I'm glad you're bringing it up because, hey, it's obvious that the Rams don't have a full home field advantage. So it's only worth two and a half in my numbers, not three. That's pretty obvious. People know that. But what's not obvious, RJ, and you should give yourself your dream music because I'll, of I'll this. do better, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that you will, is that, of course, the Saints, because they have such a big home field advantage, when they're not at home, now that's— Well, it's not just because they have such a big home. You're right. That can be the case sometimes. But sometimes you feel the team—let's say the team is like the fifth best team mm-hmm. in the NFL, power ratings. And I could envision they have a great home field, too, on top, like three and a half. Mm-hmm. They might be as good as anyone at home because, you know, they're right up there because that extra half point. But then they can be extra bad on the road. I mean, I would make the case that Seattle or Green Bay is a perfect example. Yes. Green Bay has a great home field. But if you look at their power rating, they should be literally in the last six years, Rodgers is below 500 on the road. That is not, and, and, and I think the average power rating for Green Bay, and this is Rodgers, meaning even when there's been injuries, I don't even count it. You know, when he's been out, when Rodgers quarterbacks, they've won less than 50% of their games on the road. And I bet Green Bay's average power rating during that time with Rodgers was between four and six. Agreed. And one of the things I really like about this game, too, is while non-playing starters in the preseason may have caused Goff and the offense to get off to a bit of a slow start, but you know what it actually really did? Week two, going into week two, clean injury report, L.A. Rams, because they didn't play those starters. And you saw as the game went on, they developed that continuity. They got back in a little rhythm a bit. But now you have a team that didn't get any guys hurt in the preseason, really didn't get any guys hurt in week one. New Orleans still without their best defensive player, defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins. I think there's a lot of advantages now, and now that we're in week two, of not playing their players in the preseason. I think Maddie worded that better than I've heard it from anyone else because really that's the trade-off that A. McVay is making is we're going to be rusty, Maybe for the whole game one, but half a game one in exchange for what? Health. Yeah. And now that you get past game one, it's all upside. Correct. Right? And they looked, I thought they looked good in the second half. And lo- they came out of that with a clean bill of health in, in week one. And we've seen it because we gave uh, one of the picks out on Twitter, gave another pick out on the radio, which was the zero passing quarterbacks. We went under in the first half. Obviously, the Rams-Carolina, though it wasn't exactly zero passing, went over the game, but still under in the first half. Only 13 points, under 25, easy. I mean, think about it. And the other one was easier. Green Bay and Chicago, yes. So in a weird way, if all you did was play on the teams that we had a negative mark next to for the first half of game one, intrinsically, there's one data point, game one, and for at least half, they had a drag on them that they were rusty, these teams, Rams being one of them, that most people aren't going to account for that drag. Correct. Yep. That's the definition of value. Like if somehow they played with five-pound weights on their feet and they won the game by one, you'd be like, they're much better than that, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So just to finish the point, and I kind of hijacked Maddie's handicap, so I apologize. He was like, I'm getting in here, right in the middle. <laughs> You agree that the road team disadvantage is more than just how good the team is at home. Sometimes they can be average on the road and extra good at home, no doubt. 
but sometimes they can be average at home and extra bad on the road. I, I think there is a correlation, but it's not perfect. But you can be – I think – would you agree Green Bay is not only good at home, they're bad on the road? Yes. Relative to how good to they the are. To the expectation, right. Yes. So – and we all agree that uh, in this Rams game that the Saints are one of those teams. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the final point is, though, one of the straight-up covered – we had the stat last week, Saints first two weeks of the year, prior five years, so ten games – one in nine straight up, one in nine against the spread. Now one in ten against the spread into the sixth year, second win, you know, so two and nine. And it took a miracle. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a coin flip game, right? Is yeah. that fair to say? Sure. Yeah. And they were laying a touchdown. So it's like the market's not a cat. And this line, Fez, you anchor the AP lines that we put out, the world openers, really, they're the first lines out there, uh, though you can't bet us on them. That'd be fun. I never wanted to. I'm not going to be, a, I'm not going over to the other side no matter what. Well, maybe if it went to 120, maybe I would. So, <laughs> 2020, right? It's the ultimate test as an odds maker. It's what I always used to tell people because I used to get hundreds of applications. People all wanted to be odds maker. I'd say, simple, put out odds, let the best bettors in the world bet them, and make a profit. And then we'll talk. Even at 110. Yeah, that's a good point. Because even Avello was – well, I don't know if he was getting beaten at net on his world, you know, stuff he was doing at the win. But uh, I know pe- a lot of people – again, who's going to say if they're losing, right? But some people that were beating him were saying it. So I'll be interested to see here how Circa ends up doing putting these college footballs out Sunday. Yeah, I It's like hard. It. It's I hard. love it, man. I they do too, but it's th- hard. They got some uh, sharp people there too. They do, but it's still hard. No, I I agree. mean, you put out 100 numbers, you're off three. What games do you think people are betting? The three. Exactly. Exactly. So, Fez, what number did you have as the early number? And remember, this is before, the, as you know, before the Saints played Monday night, this came out Sunday. What would you have? Rams minus three. Okay. And the line, if anything, the Saints looked worse, right? So whatever degree you thought the Rams should be favored by, it would go up at least a little bit, right? Yes. So like 3.25. I like that, yes. Which is what I said. This line should be, baby. <laughs> uh, total agreement, Maddie. All right, next game. Third best bet. So, so far, Maddie's best bet. Rams in the contest. Fez is begrudgingly in the contest. My best bet, the Minnesota Vikings. Fez, when it comes to Zimmer against the spread, how would you characterize them? In Zimmer, we trust. Okay. And if you actually had numbers, what would you say? He's been 65%, I believe, since he came in. Somewhere in that 65 to 67 so think about it. This is not cherry-picking, oh, last three years because he changed the offense or, oh, he finally got his, you know, understood how to coach special teams. No. From the day he became head coach, if you blindly bet Zimmer, you are in that 66% range. Who's the second best during that period, the same period? Oh, Bill Belichick. Well, what's his number? About 60. Now, what's break even? 52 and a half? A little bit of margin there. And a little bit. So we're just broad stroking it. It's five or fifty-two point three eight percent. Now we're talking seven and a half points to get to sixty, right? Percentage points. Mm-hmm. And you add seven and a half to sixty from sixty, it's sixty-seven and change. So almost the distance from Zimmer and the number two, the genius, and then from two to average. Though I guess if you're tying to Vig, it's not quite average, but it's close. That's unfreaking believable. 
it's like a 30% ROI blindly betting the Vikings every game. Now, there's no chance or hardly any chance of that continuing, but I want to look Zimmer to start with in any game he's in. Now, I think about Aaron Rodgers, and I think about, wait a second, there's two possibilities to come away with from the opening Thursday game. Number one, Packers got so good on defense. (laughs) Or number two, Trubisky sucks. Now, for some reason, I'm hearing both, meaning Colin Cowherd, a friend, someone I respect. As a broadcaster, I think maybe I'm paralleled on talk radio. As a guy that knows football, I respect him. He seemed to be talking so much about how good Green Bay is, but then he's talking on defense, and he's talking about how bad Trubisky is. It seems like those don't necessarily go together. So, Faz, in your opinion, and we'll go around the horn, how much confidence do you have in the Green Bay defense? I think they'll be improved, but I think if three-quarters of, of the ineptness of the Bears' offense was Trubisky in the offense, and maybe one quarter was an upgrade on Green Bay's defense. So what was Green Bay's defense last year, 1-32? to all right. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, do you think they're much better than average? Like, where if you just had to guess now, and this is early, it's going to be a guess. Where's Green Bay's defense? average? All right. So, if you have an average quarter or a, a average defense, no, first of all, what do you think of the D, Matty? I think it's about average. I think average. I thought they were below average last year, and I think they're average this year. I think, and I- you could even say maybe they're a little bit like slightly above, like in the 14, 12 to fourteen range. That sounds optimistic to me. but again, I agree. If you're going to go optimistic, maybe they're 12 to 14. I'm just thinking that if their defense is truly above average and Rodgers is as good as he is labeled by many, all of a sudden Green Bay, we should be booking our tickets to the Super Bowl, right? Well, their offense didn't look good, obviously, either in game one. 3.7 yards But the theory yards is if you play. trust Rodgers, I mean, Fez makes an interesting point, is if – Let's say you thought they were 8, 9, or 10 on defense, right? Which, to me, seems illogical. And you're thinking, well, Rodgers will be top five offense regardless, right? Though he'll get old at some point. They're not worried about that. Now, if you got a 5 and a 10 offense defense, you're probably a top three team. Right. Uh, you know, so to me, I question Rodgers. And if you look, again, I question, is he still the best? I think he might be the sixth or seventh. I, I think he might be out of the top five at this point. I know I'm in a minority there. Fez, where do you got, Rod? Number three. Yeah, so uh, you got what, Matt Stafford first? Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> right? I assume. Stafford's in the middle. Mahomes is one. Yeah. Wilson two. Brady four. Yeah, that love of Wilson is strange, man. Whew, it's strange. But back to Zimmer and his team, I'm skeptical. I think what could be the case is what we saw from Rodgers is the truth and what we saw from their defense isn't. And if that's the case, Green Bay's an average team. And I would not be shocked. What kind of odds would you give me Green Bay wins eight games this year? They'll win eight or more? No, uh, I'm saying eight or less I win. So over under eight and a half after having one win in the book. Okay, so the current number should be like nine and a half. So I would would give you plus. So so you're only saying uh, a game and a half. Oh, I'm winning at eight, so I'm I'm giving you an extra game. Yeah, I'll give you a plus 190. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, 
So the uh, just to be clear, then the average half point or half game in the NFL is worth uh, fifty five or sixty cents, right? Right. So I'm short, so shorting you. By... Hold on a second. Let me see. Uh, oh, so it should have given me one hundred twenty. I should have given you plus two twenty. Yeah, and you offered one ninety. Yes. You have the heart of a bookman. Dirtiest player in the game. You have the heart, right. but it doesn't. When you can't fool me, it doesn't really work. I'll give you the plus two twenty. Did you think that was going to fool me? I'm going to give you the fair market price plus two twenty. You know what's funny? That's his revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the fair price. Finally. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, to me, I think there was a lot of downside with Green Bay. And explain to me why their off or their defense got so much better. Because Colin Drash now is these draft choices. Who the heck knows what's going to happen with draft choices? It, it actually was the free agent pickup. So, they got Amos. He's the safety from Chicago. He's a really good player. He had the game-winning interception. Yeah. And then they had the two linebacking. Their pass rushers are both named Smith. And both of them, by most regards, are solid additions. They got rid of, like, Clay Matthews, like, way too old. And so, there should be. And so, what you're telling me. What I heard is younger, faster. Yes, that's what I heard as well. I mean, any rookie is going to be younger or faster, <laughs> right? So, I mean, faster typically. It just I, – I never seen a team – like, if you just had to guess how good the best of the Smiths are, I mean, there's, are they even a top 50 linebacker in the NFL? I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm asking. Are, you're saying both or, like, right around – Yeah, they're 50? right – yeah. Yeah, I doubt that very seriously. Um, I'd be interested to look in pro football folks. I haven't done that. I don't know. Right? I don't know. I just know that people's overreacting. That would be, and I guess to some degree, Collins driving this conversation. And I keep hearing about how good this defense is. It's one game against Trubisky. And by the way, Trubisky hadn't thrown a pass in the preseason. So the Smiths got two and a half sacks. The team got five. And the Smiths got six hits on Rodgers. The entire team got an 11. All right. Well, we go. I mean, listen, that data points better than if they didn't do well. I'm still skeptical. And again, when you have a horrible quarterback, you tend to take hits, right? So, the only question marks I have on the game is that we talked about Green Bay be having one of the biggest home away disparities, and now they're going back home, where in theory they're usually better than they are on the road. Oh, and, and I, mean, I don't, as much as anyone. Yeah, and I I just don't remember many games in the NFL like Minnesota's first game where your starting quarterback threw the ball ten times. And yet you had a twenty-eight nothing lead going into the fourth quarter. I mean, just on it, it's hard to know what that offense is really gonna look like this year because Atlanta turned the ball over so much and they were handing the ball off from I mean, they were already gonna be run heavy, but up twenty-eight nothing, they were doing nothing but run. So it'll be interesting to see what this offense is. And to me, that's part of my enthusiasm for Minnesota is the OC, you got the pronunciation. Stefanski. Stefanski. It sounds like someone in Laverne and Shirley, like the troublemaker <laughs> that one of the guys is beefing with. At Stefanski's coming. Uh, he's a run guy, right? Or at least play action, which Kirk Cousins had the best or one of the best QBRs when he did play action when he was with Washington. With Minnesota under DeFlippo, was that the other guy's name? Yes. They hardly ran play action. So – Established a run, play action. Now Cousins, who is a glorified game manager, all of a sudden looks good, right? So you know, ten passes. They ran the ball thirty-nine times and passed it ten. And that's and when you you know and you're right, you're not going to get those turnovers all the time. I'm optimistic. I love they had the whole off season. You slave over those power numbers, Maddie. What do you got? I have Minnesota as number eight and Green Bay as number nine. Okay. All right, any closing thoughts on this game? No. 
All right, now we're going to go to rotation order. Colts, Titans. Titans minus three, minus 120. Fez. I'm going to lean to the Titans. The Titans have double revenge here. They got blown out twice, but uh, in both those games, Blaine Gabbert played a majority of the snaps. So I think that because of this, the Titans are going to view this game with an absolute sense of urgency that they're like, okay, now we don't have to play against Andrew Luck, who always beats us, and now we have the advantage. I lean to the Titans. I think the turnovers are strewing this line a bit here. I think the the sentiment coming into the season, even without Andrew Luck, was that Indianapolis was a better team than Tennessee. Tennessee gets all those turnovers, including an interception return from a touchdown, two touchdowns from a tight end, Derrick Henry, has an extraordinary day compared to his recent numbers. And suddenly Tennessee is kind of back on that darling list. I don't trust Mariota in that offense. The one thing that does seem consistent is the offensive and defensive lines right now for the Indianapolis Colts. I could only take the plus three. Now, it seems like Tennessee has those quote unquote lucky games more than most teams. Wouldn't you agree? The turnovers, the special teams. All the Belichickian things. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they're doing some things right there. It feels like they are solid. They certainly didn't have many last year. Well, they they were going to the last week. They were in the playoff hunt, right? Yeah, they played the Colts. How did they do that? I mean, that remember there was the last game that was the um, say it again. Yeah, they played the Colts. The winner got to go to the playoffs. Yeah, there was a do or die game to go to the playoffs. So they were. You know, thirteenth, fourteenth best team in the league. Sure, but I'm guessing you don't think Mariota. I'm like, like it seems like they overperform every. Like this year, entering the year, they were what seven and a half win total, Steve. Yes, which seemed really low to me. And Mariota's a hard guy to get a peg on what he really is because he plays hurt a lot. He he played mm-hmm. three games with an elbow injury last year where he couldn't throw the football. Tough team to peg down. I but I do think last week was a little bit of an aberration compared to the final score. Oh yeah, the both think. played. Yeah, yeah. So, but if anything, though, are we sure that Tennessee just isn't good and that the Browns are still good? They just you know a couple turnovers and a good you know. Hey, listen, there's been a lot of this Browns love is was not fake, right? They have a but. I mean, Miles Jack Although, here. I mean, you look at the how pedigreed this team is. Forget Baker Mayfield. You blow out a team like that, you've done something, it feels like. I mean, the Browns haven't been blowing out a bunch even the years they went 1-15. It's a good point. Right? In their place. Yeah. No doubt it was the, the score is not representative of the truth. Yeah. I'm just wondering, is Tennessee even better than we think, even if you do uh, discount for that? Uh, what do you, I mean, where do you put the uh, – well, I guess my question is, Luck is worth it was worth six points, right? Yes. Now let's key numbers are here, right? So, but let's forget those for a second. So, do you gauge it by what it started at initially or where it closed? So the massive overreaction to it is what he's worth or where it closed. Well, you know, we've worth. actually spent. I'm just uh, curious. No, as no, what the we went through it, and if you act because Fess said six, and we looked at the various moves in the Chargers game, uh, which you know I think you're talking about, and we figured out that at least based upon that move to seven and a half that he, that six was about right. And now you can say, is that the truth or it got bought back? You know, I think in hindsight, considering the line this week, but it got bought back quick. 
Yeah. So it I, didn't sit out there at seven and a half. It went way up in the massive overreaction and immediately well, got first bought off, back. The massive overreaction can't be a half point or a point, can it? That's not massive. The debate is, is he worth five or six points? Yeah, correct. Right? So, and again, I guess going through seven, you can make the case. Uh, and I don't remember the exact math. You know, and the irony of this is that CGT moved this game to nine and a half, that game from three, the, the Chargers against the Colts. So they, CGT moved it all the way up to nine and a half for their opener. So, Fez, it's saying here that the Colts, I'm just trying to think about this here. So the line, if Andrew Luck were playing, would be the Colts minus three. Yes. about I think that's about right. So I, it's just hard to fathom that the Titans and the Colts are even teams. So last year they were even to the point where the last game they're going down to, right? Yes, but I believe in the last game that uh, Andy was favored on the road. Okay, but that's the market. Yeah. See, I, I don't worship at the altar of the market like you do because I don't understand how you can do that and, and bet against it at minus 110. I don't understand it, right? So I get that the closing line value usually benefits you, so you want to masturbate to it. I'm not interested in that. They both had comparable years. Yeah, I mean, that's why they went down the last game. Right. Now, at best, there's a difference, but it's not drastic. So you lose the best, one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And did they sign anyone else? I'm not familiar. Like, any big signings for the Colts? No. And we all think, oh, because he had a couple good drafts, that every draft's going to be good, but we have no idea, right? And you can say, well, that good lineman, Quentin Webber, he's getting better. Okay, fine. A young team getting a little better. Both both lines are above average. Oh, or yeah, average maybe even more. Average, yeah. But they were last year too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the Titans and them were about even teams. So now, did the Titans lose a bunch of players I'm not familiar with? No. I thought their performances showed that they were still about equal. Indy went to a tough road game and took them to overtime. Took the Chargers, a 12-win team, to overtime last week. Titans, we all agree their score was a bit of an aberration because the turnovers were turned for touchdown. So, look, I think they're no, still but, close to equal. Well, remember, Philip well, Rivers, the, the, char- okay. the Chargers were up eight. There was five minutes to play, and Rivers was about to score a touchdown, and he threw a pick in. in yeah, the whatever. There's yeah. all stories. Yeah. Every, every game. Every freaking game like that. I don't understand why you do it. <laughs> I mean, because, like, what? Not every game, but at least half the games could go either way, right? All right. So, but in a way, the fact it was that close – Meaning that it could have gone to the Colts or the Chargers could have won clean. Kind of says maybe the Chargers win more than 50% of the time, but the line is six or seven or whatever was was probably too much, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I agree. The, the you know, But I'm confused. If you say last year they were about equal. I thought the Colts were better. All right. April but by how year. much? Eh, maybe a point. All right. Let's say two. Okay. Now the Colts – there are six points worse because of Andrew Luck. I don't agree with All right, that. So That's five, where we disagree. Five. Oh, he's got to be worth five. If he's worth four, I then... think Jacoby Brissett's becoming serviceable, and I I think it could be four. Well, I mean, you're. I mean, let's just say based upon, and, and I'm willing to say that I'm an outlier. Yeah, based upon the way the win total, and again, we can reference the market without mm-hmm. obsessing over it. Uh, it ended up, Fez, you were better. You gave the idea of three games. It moved two and a half. It looked like you were, you know, a little wrong. And then it moved more towards three, right? 
Actually, it stayed two and a half. Moved from ten yeah. wins to seven and a half. Okay, I saw it drifting. That. Okay, so which that assumes five is more and than everything enough. checked back toward the Colts late betting wise. In in this in the week one game. Or the in the markets, okay. all the markets, not win the, to not win the, the AFC win. South. No, the season win stayed seven half, and that's the best. The AFC South went from plus four fifty to like plus three, to less than three fifty before. I mean, you the, know what it is though. The to me, the square sharps, as we sometimes call them, were the guys that are one level away from really being good. And again, I I don't spend full time on it, so I'm not saying I'm beyond that. I think I can spot it though, good from a distance. It feels like this. Oh, I want to be different. I want to be ahead of everyone and say Brissett's better than people think. This adjustment's going to be too much. Publish and overreact. I mean, five points, which feels like now what the public really did. Didn't seem that far off last week. Yeah, Overtime so, loss on the road against the 12-win team. But that's like saying that the Raiders are, are, are so good because of what they did. I mean, one game, like we've got. I'm just saying my expectation of where the Colts were this season was met. You know, they played competitively with a 12-win team on the road. No, I agree. If they play like that the whole year and the Chargers aren't as, again, we're, we might want to question the Chargers because sure. you guys spent a long time mm-hmm. doing that. If they play, if the Chargers are as good as they were last year, and that is the Colts' truth, the Colts are a lot better than I think. And I'm not sure that Andrew Luck, I mean, by definition, you're saying the line should have been three or three and a half, which means that's in line with Andrew Luck. So now we're moving towards there's no drop off, right? So I just don't understand how the Titans are in the Colts are even teams. Because if before the season we would have said the Colts are five points better, if we now move from six to five. That just seems like a lot, don't you think, Fez? Yes. I had the Colts three and a half points better before the luck injury. Okay. So we're talking that point and a half here, it seems like. Because, again, I think this line should be tightened. And, again, I should be laying the Titans here, which for some reason I'm not. Because you know why? Last point on this game for me. Brissette did not play play much in the preseason. It was a weird combination of they thought he'd have to start game one, so they didn't want him to get hurt. But now he was rusty, I think, I mean, or at least he should have been rusty in game one. He looked one. better in the second half. And that tells me if there was one week I didn't want to bet him, it was week one. Hmm. Now I think he might play a little bit better, right? That hindrance is removed. But I'm just a Vrabel guy. I don't know if it's the, the Belichick connection. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I like Vrabel as well. And I lean Titans. You know, I, I like the fact that they said they were going to run the football a lot, and they did, but, and they really ran it successfully. 25 attempts for Marlon Mack, 174 yards and two touchdowns. They ran the ball 33 times as a team, only passed it 27 times. That's pretty good. This and, could be the Detro- the Detroit Lions of the, of the AFC. Could here. be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fez, the Lions three on that in the Super Contest, right? Yes. All right, so that's going to be one of my four or fives I'm thinking about. So we'll see. Oh, we went over the lines already. Oof. Giants, Bills. Now think about this. Bills on the road, favored by two. This is one of my five. All right, so you can start. Go. I have the Giants as the 31st ranked team in the NFL right now. And and I, I, sometimes I think that when we start to get to that bottom four or five teams, it's about motivation. And I don't know that the motivation is there. I've heard that half that locker room and 
who knows how many of these things are true, don't like Eli Manning, that they want Jones to be in there now, that that's the future. Why are we waiting? Most people said he should have retired, you know, years ago. They gave up over eight yards per play, which only four teams in the entire NFL did week one. We know that defense is a mess. Uh, the Buffalo team, you know, it looked they looked bad because of all the turnovers. But when we look at Buffalo's numbers in that game, they dominated that game against the New York Jets, but it looked like they were down. They still averaged six point yards per play in that game where it looked like their offense was ineffective because of the turnovers. And who had the number one defense? YPP again in in week one. And I'm down with YPP. (laughs) It was the Buffalo Bills. And that's a defense we've been that everyone clearly acknowledges as the top five defense in the NFL. And they looked like it in week one. I just think in a almost pick them situation at one and a half, I always want Buffalo right now rather than the New York Giants. So the obvious question is you're saying Arizona Giants neutral field pick them. You're comfortable. Uh, yeah. On <laughs> Fez, what's your number set? I'd have Giants minus two. Mm-hmm. And again, that's chocolate vanilla. That's the point. Sure. If everyone agreed, all right. Faz, what do you think? All right, I'm going to lean to the Bills as well. I'm going to make a case for this is not that bad of a road trip for the Bills. Second straight road game. Don't like that to start the season, right? But there's mitigation. I disagree. I think it's, if you ever could have two straight road games, when would it be? They're in the same stadium. That's the point. <laughs> I mean, They're in. The, think about this. They're in the same stadium. So if you got to have two consecutive road games, what is the most optimal time to have them? Weeks one and weeks two. Do we know where they're uh, in the state. Same oh, I stadium. guess it's only from Buffalo. So yeah, travels on right, from so Buffalo. Short travel back both to times back in the same to the MetLife stadium. stadium. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying though is, wouldn't we agree that if you had to have back-to-back games on the road, you'd rather it be week one and two? Absolutely. Yes. All right, so, and we do realize that in general, if you play away teams the second game a back-to-back, that's actually one of the strongest trends of high volume that are just, that's very simple. I think the markets are a little behind with travel today. Markets are overcorrecting for yeah, for I think so. So, like when you lead off with. The, the back-to-back stuff, it's like, I'm not sure. I think I'm more inclined to look to play on them. Well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's a great back-to-back road spot for the Bills. But, yeah, but I'm saying generally you're saying in this case week one and two is good and the fact that it's the same place and there's not a lot of geographic, you know, the length of travel. Yes. All right. You know, sometimes I just get lost with, like, like let's agree that there's uh, it's not a bad spot to be back-to-back. And maybe right. the market's... Mm. Uh, pricing it too much. You're getting some value. What else? Like, what? what's your handicap? Well, the minus three turnovers, when teams are minus three in turnover, as you know, RJ, you lose the game 90% of the time, and you only cover 10% of the time. So the fact that the Bills were able to win outright as an underdog, minus three in turnovers, that's a buy sign on the Bills. See, I agree with that. And, and, and what went unspoken there is because the marketplace – at least the, the, the recreational betters are going to think, oh, the Bills just squeaked by the Jets, and Jets had the lead, you know, big lead, 16 nothing. But in truth, you're saying this team's better than the score. Anytime a team's better or worse than the scoreboard, you can take advantage. Yeah. There might be pricing, yes. mispricing involved. Huh. And the yards per play in that game weren't close, even when it was 16 nothing. 6.0 for Buffalo yards per play on offense, 3.4 for the New York Jets. From Colin, I kept hearing about how good 
how good Darnold is. And I was kind of teasing him on the podcast he and I do on Fridays for his network. I said, I heard that Darnold had a couple of good passes on third and 12 <laughs> late in the season. That's why you love him. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, the, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, he led the league in passer rating the last three. He had like some convoluted. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the first time I've heard someone reference passer rating in like 10 years. <laughs> you know, like, do you hear people saying like, he's passer rating? You know, QBR, I think people trust a little more. I do at least. So here's my question. Let's do some simple math. So Bills, Giants. Now let's accept there's some home field advantage. Maybe Giants are a little less than three, and I agree with that. But the simple math is six-point flip. If this game were in Buffalo, that the Bills would be an eight-point favorite. Is there ever a full six flip for in-state teams? Right, let's say that seven, right? Like, I don't want to get into the decimal yeah. points. Now, Dallas played, hosted the Giants, right? And same thing Buffalo would in this hypothetical, and it was 7.25? 7 yes. So, wait a minute. <laughs> the Bills and the Cowboys are equal teams. I, I understand that metric, but I'm just, I, it there's feels no like way you guys I are getting trapped into the road favor. It looks short. Like, I can hear Cousin Sal or someone who's not a professional better say, and I love Sal, and he never claims to be a professional better, but I can hear him say, man, I just don't see the Giants winning the game. And all they have to do is win the game, and then they're very likely to cover the minus two. So I'm always worried in those Mm. spots. All right. But did anyone like this? Oh, it is a Yeah, I have it as a like. Let me think about this. Yep. Okay. So, Faz, did you did you you didn't have a like here? Did I just you? leaned to Bills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, why don't you jump in? No, thank you. Uh huh. Next game. <laughs> oh, the Ravens. Now I'm going to lead off here. Thirteen and a half. Listen, it was one game. Just like I'm not going to. I tell Maddie, you can't say the Colts are what they are. You know, last week's score. I'm not saying the Ravens are. But, Fez, why don't you recap the way I was explaining the Ravens so I don't have to say it. The early season. Yeah, the Ravens are going to be a much better team early in the season. And why? Because Harbaugh is going to go ahead and surprise people with that quirky offense. Is he going to keep running Lamar Jackson all the time? The theory is they had the whole offseason for wrinkles. Now the wrinkle was, oh, he's throwing the ball a bunch. Would we be shocked if they ran the ball 50 times this week? No. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're going to do, and that exactly. gives them the intrinsic advantage early in the year. And the fact that they got up early means they were able to keep some of the wrinkles they didn't even have to reveal yet. So it's going to extend the shelf life. Correct. So Roger Sherman, and he said, Sunday, Jackson had one of the best single-game quarterback performances of all time. Okay? 20 attempts, five touchdowns. It's pretty good. Three inter I mean incompletions. So more touchdowns than incompletions. And had a perfect passer rating. And the 59 points the Ravens scored, the most by any team in the NFL since 2012. Pretty impressive. Now here's the thing I put in red. Who, Lamar Jackson, who is already obviously one of the best players at the most important position in football. All right. Fez, you've got a quarterback, one or 32. Where's Lamar? 30th. Okay. 
you you got him as one of the worst. Maybe if you're super generous and overreactive, twentieth. Oh, that'd be way That's overreaction. What I'm saying. Yes. This guy is saying that, that he's top five. I mean, who? Wow. Jackson is already obviously one of the best players at the most important position in football. One of the best is not number ten. One week ago, they were saying he was a running back that well, threw every stop, now and then. Stop. Who's saying what? I mean, that's what I'm saying. The ringer wasn't saying no. that, right? And I don't think anyone was really saying that after last year. The guy made the playoffs with the team. Let's give him credit. Fantasy people love him. He, well, because he's he's yeah. like a running back in yeah. it. So all I'm saying is this. this is, and I think there's a political element to this, right? And you see that is there's certain... If you're progressive, if you're conservative, whatever it is, you're going to root a certain way. Like Tim Tebow probably had more conservative fans. To me, the whole idea of, you know, how viable, historic, you know, I guess historically black quarterbacks have not gotten the benefit of the doubt. That oftentimes, and, and oftentimes success is driven by do you get a chance to fail and keep going? Most people don't just succeed right away. Even professional quarterbacks, look at Peyton Manning. You know, you got to wonder. The case would be made by progressives, some, that if Peyton Manning were black after the first season with all those interceptions, it'd be like, does he even start again? It was one of the worst seasons we ever saw, right? I mean, it was bad. It was, at least it it was, was bad, yeah. Yeah. So their point is, yeah, it should be a meritocracy decided on the field, but if you don't let the guy play, then how do you know? So... I see that, and I, you know, I could see that angle. I can see the other side. I think coaches want to win more than anything. I don't think a coach is saying, I know that, that, that this black quarterback gives us a chance to win, but I'm going to say no. It's like you're talking career, you're talking generational wealth is at stake, right, for the coach. So, but sometimes there's biases that people don't understand in, in themselves. So I get it, but this feels like the overreaction of the week. Agreed. But it, it also feels like it's hard to rank him all of a sudden. No. Yeah. The upside got higher. I agree. I think it's a lot of scheme. Right. So because here's the question. Does he physically throw the ball? If we were doing like a skills competition, does he throw the ball like an NFL quarterback with its with accuracy, with speed of delivery, all the things well, the problem is he doesn't make all the different throws that the prototypical quarterback well, it's not prototypical. makes. It's pretty much what you have to make. In, like, which yeah. successful quarterback Do you have to it? make it anymore? Well, which successful quarterback can't make those throws? We didn't see him try them. That's the problem. Can Lamar Jackson throw a 12-yard out? I don't know because they didn't even attempt one. They threw it short. They threw Through it the deep. bomb. That's yes. it. And He threw two passes, screens and, and bombs. bombs. And here's the thing, and, and you just said something, Maddie, that made me think I see a path for him, and, and Harbaugh's a smart coach. Uh, if they figure it's going to take 18 months from now, let's say, to get him thrown those 12-yard out, you know, like tougher passes. Yeah. If they can scheme it up and let his running in the scheme compensate for the interim, and then as the scheme starts to expire, where, where it's not fresh anymore, it's not surprising, it's not as much of an edge – if as it does one increment at a time, his ability to throw increases one increment, it's kind of a trade-off. That's right? right. We've never really seen that, though, have we? Where a quarterback came in, couldn't make all the throws, but eventually could, have we? 
No, but I don't know. Yeah, he's I'm a always difficult suspicious. to rank. Yeah. yeah, I'm always suspicious when you're saying this is the first time. And I don't know because I heard a lot of people say that you know in the off season he worked on it a ton and got better, and then in in, in uh, you know I think him and Ben Simmons were working together. Ben was on one side with the jumpers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I don't know. <laughs> so I just don't know. All right. My last thought on this is... It's fair to say that any ranking that's in the upper half of quarterbacks is probably a little bit... It's it's certainly uncertain. Yes. At this point. Uh, now, if someone said, hey, I know right now the, the, the data says 16, 20, whatever, higher, but I think he's this, that's fine, too. That's the definition of a batter. But right? don't we have almost just as much uncertainty in this game on the other side? Do you get the Kyler Murray who, when Detroit stopped trying to score at the end, you know, through all those long... Or do you get the Kyler Murray you got through the first three quarters who looked like a rookie, looked a little overmatched, looked a little unsure of himself? Looked like a little kid out on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow you have the pump, pass, and kick guy out on the field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baz, what's your take? I think there's an overreaction to the performance of Baltimore. And, and let, let's face it, let's talk about injuries here. Baltimore has cluster injuries at cornerback. And if there's one area on your defense you don't want to have cluster injuries, it's against Arizona with all those four wide receiver sets that they run. So because of that, I think the back door could well be open. I like Arizona. You love when the back door is open, don't you, Fess? I'll... As long as I can get and get back home, it's all good. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to come right in the back door here. See, I mean, you got it's on tape, Faz. You love it. Documented. <laughs> to me, with Murray, I think in the NFL, when you get to the point where the team that's trying to score doesn't care about turnovers, meaning they care, but they're willing to take the risk because. You ask yourself, why couldn't a team start the first quarter and play like that? Because this old story about prevent defenses, I don't think these teams play that anymore. I mean, like the old school 15-yard outs are easy, right? I mean, you watched the game. I mean, was Detroit making it easy on them? Or was it just, hey, if you get strip sacked here, it's just... You're they were at first, up 24 to 6 in the fourth. At at least in the at the early stages of that comeback, they were certainly trying to kill clock and make the drives go. And also what happened is that Arizona finished the week with the fastest pace of play of any team in the NFL. It was a little over 20 seconds and that Detroit per D, snap. Per snap, right? And the Detroit D clearly got gassed because of that. Oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. So I think Harbaugh is going to have his team physically fit. I mean, especially if you're going to run the ball like they are. I like the over here. It feels like maybe Baltimore gets a nice lead. And it feels like that Arizona, obviously, as Fez loves, the back door is open. What do you think, Fez? Yeah, I do. I agree. Can you can you get in your computer? Yeah, I want to log in to get what the total is. On That's what game. I'm saying. 46. It just seems like you're really struggling, man. Like, what do you have? How quickly does it lock? You should probably set it for a half hour or something. I think it's 15 minutes. So, 47? 46. So, do you like it? Like, why wouldn't you? Sometimes when there's a blowout, the fourth quarter can. Well, so first off, if we felt like it was a blowout, we should lay the 13 and a half. Like, are we feeling like the. the, Who do you force? If you had to force play there, who do you play? Well, I like Arizona. 
Okay, so why are we so worried about blowouts? Because they could cover and still be down double digits in the fourth quarter, and that historically means a lower scoring fourth quarter. So we're thinking Arizona quarter. just doesn't score. It just, mean, it just feels like Arizona. They only I mean, had six points against Detroit in the fourth quarter. It was all the way into the fourth? Yes, right. sir. Then it seems like, so does anyone, like, what's the team? I mean, in theory, we can figure the team totals out, right? So for the Ravens, you got to wonder, uh, so it would be what? Somewhere we take 13 and a half from 46, 33, 16. 29, 16. 16. Yeah. Oh, 29. So it is pretty high. Boy, I kind of like Arizona over the team total. But, you know, I think Baltimore's going to get their points regardless. What do we think of the coaching? I know it's hard to tell in one game. Kingsbury is unprecedented when it comes to a losing college coach just getting a head job. Any thoughts on? Look, I feel like if Detroit finishes the job, it was 24-6 to in the fourth quarter. If Detroit finishes the job, no one is praising him. Not he had true. six points going into the fourth quarter. Kyler Murray threw a pick early. That was a terrible throw. His offense didn't look like it had any wrinkles at all. I mean, it was a very vanilla offense for the Arizona Cardinals for three quarters and four minutes. When you say vanilla, just that air raid system. Yeah, they didn't but have any. Yeah. I mean, they weren't tricking anybody. Yeah. yeah this is the NFL, right? That's Spurrier right. wasn't tricking anyone either. All right, guys, one commercial break, one and only. And then we not only have the best bets to end the show, the bonus best bets on the derivatives and such, but we also have up next the Patriots, the Dolphins. Yes, about as big of a mismatch as you can find. And, oh, by the way, it's historic. We'll tell you about that. All right, baby, Patriots, 19-point favorites at the Dolphins. Oh, by the way. Dolphins are shockingly good at home against the Patriots. All the way back to the 18-0 year, the next season, where did the Pats lose? First game in Miami. Fez, what do you think? You know, there's a big question in this game, and it's all about the Miami effort of the players, and I can't answer it, RJ. I'm really not Well, hold on. You've answered it. You made a drastic downgrade of the Dolphins. How many points? Three-point downgrade based upon the last week's action. Now, here's the paradox. Week one, the zen of handicapping. Week one is the most important week when it comes to impact of one game on power ratings because it's one of one. In week 10, if there's the same result versus week one, Fez, what ratio would you say week one is more impactful? Twice as important. Double. I agree. Does that sound right? I think it could even be like two and a half. I really think week one moves that much. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the paradox is we're saying it's the most impactful, but almost everybody over uh, considers it, overrates its impact because it's all you got. Fez, I feel like you might be doing this here, right? So the three break down the three points. What is the makeup of the downgrade of Miami? So I. Adjusted Miami one point for bad performance on the field. Yeah, so if you had no other questions of what happened on the field, uh, that's about as big of a downgrade as you'll do in one week. Correct. And then I thought about the locker room, the effort of the so players. So you were thinking about the, the riots. You the, love backdoor, and you're thinking about the locker room. And the the fires that are going on on the sideline, the revolt, the mutiny. So you're joking here. Yes. So you were talking about, oh, if they trade Tunzel, there's going to be riots. <laughs> yes. You said that after they traded him. Where's the riot? Yeah. Okay. 
Maybe metaphorical you were, but go ahead. Fair enough. So I said, you know what? If the locker room is completely lost and this is a real fact and the players are not playing at 100%, I'm going to adjust three more points. How likely is this scenario? You know, I think it's more than 50%. I think there's a two-thirds chance this is a real situation where the players are not playing at 100%. I disagree. Yeah, I do too. So one question, I'll let Maddie jump in. Which other teams, if the Dolphins are compromised the entire year with effort. And when I say the entire year, we know some teams at the end of the year get compromised. We know that there can be weeks or two early in the year for whatever reason. Someone got fired, someone got traded, whatever. Compromised. Which other teams not late in the year have been compromised for an extended period of time when it comes to motivation in the NFL? None that I'm aware of. So you're saying there's a 66% chance of something which would be unprecedented. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. I mean, at the end of the day, these are young players in a salary cap tight league who are playing for their next contract and their next team. And let's face it, when we all talk about tanking in any sport, regardless of what sport it is, we never blame it on the players. It's always the general manager or management of the team has decided to to play inferior players, not that the players themselves are not trying or are trying to lose. And I don't think the Miami Dolphin players who are going to be trying to get that next contract are ever going to go out there and try to lose or try not to perform. You know what we can do? Let's assume for this discussion that they're not giving up. Because if they are, you know you can't play them and you probably play the Pats. So if they're not giving up, what's your handicap, man? I think it's tough to go down to Miami in September. The humidity is a little bit tough. I mean, they might have got waxed last week, but that's how you get guys hurt. They cramp up. You get them out there. They pull a hammy. I think this is a situation where the Patriots are probably going to be careful with this game. They have a lot of veteran players on this team. The humidity is is tough to deal with. It's easy to get cramped up. and. Um, and it's hard for any team to get motivated coming off. It's not easy. It's not hard to get motivated to play Pittsburgh on Sunday night football. And you're all fired up, but you just watched Miami lose 59 to 10. And despite what they've done to you in the past, I don't know that new England's going down there with shields and swords up, Ah, you know, put your war face on. If I was playing this game, I would only take the 19 points. And I don't know if Belichick wants to embarrass his former um, assistant coach Flores, who took over for Miami, so that's another factor. If this gets, I, I don't, I, I don't think Belichick thinks like that. He'll, he'll cut Tom Brady if he thinks <laughs> best for the team, yeah. right? So he's not going to try to embarrass him. He's going to play, right? So what's funny is you think the sharp side is the nineteen, and I'll get these exact numbers and put them on Twitter. But if you go over, if I recall, fourteen or above, even is you. It's hard to find a time that it's winning for the underdog. Whereas I think there's so many dog players that are like a jumbo number, it kind of depresses it, uh, the results a little bit. But Where, we don't ever see set above 17s. No, I agree. But what I'm saying is if you even go to 14 and above, because you would think that uh, – but, but the funny thing is most of the – well, not most of – the percentage on these high ones, it might only be, like you said, 15 games over 20 years or whatever – but it's like, and again, I'll get the exact numbers, but it's a worse percentage on the big, big dogs than even the 14 or 15 point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But uh, it's such a small sample. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But if if you, when you have a but small. But it's an uncomfortable feeling in the NFL overlaying that number, I think. 
Oh, I agree with that, too. Yeah. I, I'm not saying you lay it, but in my experience, and you can tell me if you agree with this quickly, is when you have a small sample, you look for something adjacent. So if you're saying, okay, 17-point dogs are a small sample, well, how's a 14- or 15-point dog? Sure. And it's similar, obviously. The funny thing is I think I would bet the Patriots on the money line before I would lay it because I agree with you. I don't think there's any great desire to get margin, Maddie, but I do think the fact that the Patriots have been beat up down here or, or loot, they've lost, let's just say that, that is on their minds. They're not the type that likes to have any spot that someone can feel confident against them. It's a great point. Right? So I think that that doesn't help them. It does help them get margin in a way because if – you know, I don't think they get down in the game, but this is a weird situation where what would the typical odds be? Fez, maybe you can do this in your head real quick. If I say I want to bet that it's somewhere between 10 and 20, that the Pats win by 10 to 20, right? Probably about 35%. All right. If I could get fair odds based on history on that, I would bet that dra- I would bet that right now mm. because to me, it feels like there's not much of a chance the Pats lose, even less, I think, by a smidge than what the odds would say, the money line. But on the other hand, I don't think there's a great chance of huge margin. I agree with that. So do we – is there a tea? I mean, I know we're not teasing through classic. And the total tells us there's not a great chance for margin here. We have a almost 20-point favorite with a total of 47. So does that mathematically work regards to the correlation? Well, it's mostly two and a half. So two and a half would be 38 – yeah, that just about gets there. It does. It so, does get there. So you ha- if you play this, do you have to go? If you like the favorite, do you have to go fave over? You, and according to mathematical winning percentages in the past, if you're, it's more than two and a half. So you'd go fave over and and dog under. If you are betting one or the other, mm-hmm. right? I agree. Does that go in both directions? I mean, if you like the under, do you have to tie it to the dog? Yes. Yes. All right. So if you have any opinion on the four, <laughs> you got a parlay. Yes. That's pretty as good. As long as they'll let you. <laughs> well, in the NFL, do they ever block you? No. Yes. Well, they'll let you bet it. It depends how much. They, it's, there you go. They won't completely reject you, but you might only be able to get down a couple hundred bucks. You watched the, most of the game or the whole game? whole game. What did really you, see, what'd you see with your eyes? Kellen Moore's play calling was sharp. It was crisp. It was fresh. And Dak Prescott could make every single throw accurately and on time. Yeah, I mean, to me, this Dallas team, I get the whole every year they see, you know, they get a lot of hype. I'm impressed. I mean, when you add a young defense to this, and then with uh, Amari Cooper seemingly, you know, we think back, if if there was a young GM that did everything Jerry Jones and this organization has done in the last five or six years, but this guy had a process. He had a PhD from Brown. You know, he had his math. Mo- he had a little. <laughs> They'd call him Theo Epstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, if he was that yeah. type, yes, wouldn't we be saying like there'd be big profiles on the Ringer about how mm. this guy? I mean, like think about the decisions that Jerry Jones has made. How many teams have drafted better than them in the last five years? And to have an OC that young and give them those uh, with all the players, I mean, the money that you're paying those offensive players, it just, I thought it was great. I mean, one of the best running backs, the best late round quarterback of how long? Yeah. In the last mm-hmm. 10 years Since at least? Brady? Yeah. So maybe, I mean, I haven't thought it all the way through, but right there in the, the discussion, if it's not just 
Dak, Dak and one other maybe. I mean, Russell Wilson's second round is a whole different thing. But where's the credit? Look at this defense. Sean Lee apparently was worth almost a touchdown at one point, right? But <laughs> now he's their third best linebacker. That's what I'm saying. You gotta get. And, and when they drafted that guy, that seven on seven dude, I know I should know the the linebacker, the Van Der Esch. Yeah, is a lot of people were scoffing at that. Mm. So I don't know if it's just a run of good luck, but it feels like the narrative on Jerry Jones. He doesn't have. I know Fez, you like the tight jaw, you like the symmetrical face. You don't want to see any signs of aging, typically, right? Right. <laughs> His voice gets weird when he, he goes, right. <laughs> but I think if you just kind of forgot the aesthetics, you got to really appreciate what the Cowboys are doing. Yeah, and, and in fact, their third-round draft pick from a couple, a couple years ago, Gallup, he – it's turning into a really solid number two wide receiver. He had a monster game. Another good draft pick. They let Dak, or I'm sorry, they let, um, well, I wanted to forget him, the wide receiver that blew out his knee in New Orleans. Des. Des Bryant, yeah. They let Des go, you know. He's still looking for a job. Sooner, though, than I thought they would. Like sure. they, they probably let him go, you know, when a, you know, when Belichick would. You know, that kind of thing. Maybe Belichick would have been a little earlier. But, all right, so who do we like? I passed. Just just pass. Huh? It's a pass. It's a total pass for me as well. Wow. I like Washington. Maybe a slight lean even toward Dallas. And I get the idea of liking Washington, the division game and everything. But they already are racking up injuries to me. And I, and I just loved what Dallas is doing, so I'm passing. Yeah. You know, that's what I learned with Kansas City. If a team is a juggernaut, and we don't know yet, but Dallas has the feel of that. Sometimes I love to step in front of it if I think they're overrated, but I tend to always want to step in front of it. Yeah. But at what point do you just say maybe this team's just better? You know, it's there's something they're doing. It might be scheme, you know, with Kansas City especially. Might be Mahomes ends up being the best quarterback of all time. When's the last time a guy with one year of experience was on top of your quarterback last fast? Brady never, never happened. Brady wouldn't have been entering his second year. No way. It wasn't even close, right? Andrew Luck would be the closest. Well, Andrew Luck should have never been in anyone's. I mean, uh, that's a whole <laughs> podcast. I mean, it was just because someone, everyone heard about best scouting report since Elway. And I, there was just this, like, who, like, what did he ever do on the field that made you think he was in that top, top tier? Meaning he was obviously in the top 10, probably from day one. But Aaron Rodgers, who I'm not even a huge fan of, Peyton Manning in his prime, Brady in his prime, they weren't even in the uh, Luck wasn't in the same universe. He just had that look as a rookie after such a bad season to, for them to win 11 games. and uh, Yeah, the year their season win yeah. number was four and a half. And but, he wins 11. So maybe the team's success around him sort of also. Except that pretty him. much dried up, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it probably was an overreaction to what a tremendous rookie year the team had compared to expectations. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not mistaken, RG3 had a better rookie year. I mean, he got the rookie of the offense. Maybe rookie. statistically. Yeah, well, what I else are we going luck, by? Wins. Well, I mean, luck, luck had more wins. They got wins. to the AFC title game, right? What, this sounds like a conversation from 89. <laughs> like, we're just going to say the, the quarterback. But you're asking how, why he got so inflated. Okay. I think it's because they but got Fez, so far. On your raw numbers... Where was Andrew, so it's no regard for the backup. Where was Andrew Luck entering this year? Number two. Mm-hmm. 
So when you're saying we're trying to discuss why the squares were wrong, well, you're looking at he's got a pompadour and he has black hair. Wow. <laughs> Where'd you have him? I don't necessarily rank quarterback. I would say like in the four to eight range. I think that's about right. Now, again, I was optimistic that the team could do well, you know, with him not as a game manager, but not having to do so much, you know. So, all right. Next game, Texans off the heartbreaking loss. Nine, nine point favorite at home against Jacksonville. Maddie, this is one of your five. Yeah, I'm taking the nine points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you you know, you had mentioned it to me earlier about, you know, division uh, underdogs and how they're so successful even after even into week two after week one. And I like Jacksonville in this spot. And, and I know it's easy to say, oh, my goodness, Nick Foles is out. But look what Gardner Minshew did in week number in in that game after Foles went out completing 22 of 25 passes for 280 yards. And I think sometimes when a young guy comes in and, and there, you know, he has an optimistic performance like that, the team tends to rally around him a bit, at least in the short term. I think that may be the case this week for Gardner Minshew. Nobody has enough tape on him yet to really prepare for Minshew. And thus, I expect this game, like many of the games in the AFC South Division, to be a tightly contested battle, and I'm taking the nine points. I pass on the game, and it's all about the uncertainty of Gardner Minshew. Hold on a second. You're allowed having one pass, Faz. Well, I actually have a teaser in this game. Okay, so it's not a pass. It's not a pass. I'm going to go ahead and tease Houston minus two and a half. With the 49ers plus eight and. Oh, Jimmy G. And it's really a, a basic strategy teaser. You know, I love to find a way to bet on Jimmy G. And if I can get an eight and a half point favorite down to that minus two and a half, especially a team that a, a good team like the Texans coming off a loss, I don't expect them to start 0 2. And I do think that Gardner Minshew, although he looked good week one, now that they've seen tape on him, I can see him having problems on the road. All right, let's listen to Dave Asler. NFL Sunday. Bengals over the 49ers, I bet plus two. I think they're going to win the game outright, and it's not going to matter. I'm not buying the fact that the 49ers can win back-to-back East Coast road games. Yes, they beat the Bucks, but you know how much I love Jameis Winston. 49ers had two interception returns for scores, but otherwise fewer first downs, less total yards, and committed 11 penalties. Up in Seattle, Bengals outgained Seattle almost 2-1. to one. Dalton threw for over 400 yards. More importantly, no picks. They don't put the ball on the ground three times. The narrative there is very different. Last year, before Dalton and Green went down, Bengals were a 500 team through 10 games. Not ready to endorse Zach Taylor, but he's an upgrade over Lewis. For now, the Bengals have optimism. 49ers averaged a mere 4.3 yards per play against the horrid Bucks defense. Bengals averaged over six against a good Seattle defense. This is a total perception line. Wrong team's favored. Bengals Plus two for me. I think minus one is even fine. Bengals win the game. Ooh, I tell you, with Dave, I agree with most of it almost every time. There's always a thing or two, like today, I didn't agree with. But that's what makes him Dave because he just keeps on winning. So, Maddie, we don't want to make it where you're against Dave, though you can certainly press the button. And remember, this is his podcast best bat. Okay, and it is important to note, Dave taped this, uh, I think it was all, all the way, we're taping here on Wednesday, I think it was Monday night even, because he had some uh, home repair. So lines change, but I guess in a way it's, talking about validating your pick, right? This baby opened up with Cincy, fav- or I'm sorry, Cincy is the home dog, 
now favored. So, Fez, you love Jimmy G. First of all, the performance from Jimmy G, what would you think? He looked rough. He uh, looked rusty, and frankly, they won that game easily against Tampa Bay because of their defense, not because of Jimmy G. So rusty. Rusty implies somehow that he sat out, but he and played. he did not. Yeah, well, we know so he wouldn't be rusty. He looked bad. He looked like he did not as bad as week two when he had a zero mm-hmm. point. What was it, RJ? I don't know. I don't. Re- All I know is this is a guy that signed a franchise contract that I'm not sure we can. You know how we know he's any good. I mean, I'm not saying he isn't. I'm saying, do we really know it? We really don't. And I obviously have concerns about the practice and preseason, the preseason games, and the week one result. I'll tell you this, though. My number one handicap on this game, and this is why I'm using San Francisco in my teaser with Houston, San Francisco spending the entire week in Youngstown, Ohio. And I think this is a really good bonding team, bonding team focus strategy. Yeah, mistake, mistake. Mistake. They just came out of camp. Like, this is a great – Harbaugh started this, started the Youngstown stuff, right? And it usually is midseason. So you have your camp, you get yourself a chance to have a normal season, and then at a certain point there's like a second camp in the middle. Mm. Do you really want to go from camp to play one game and back to a camp? That's effectively what it is. I think it's going to keep the team focused. I I do. Uh, Then under that theory, then teams would be so much better if they just kept them all on a little mini campus throughout the whole year. (laughs) Right? I'm serious. So, I mean, to me, I think there's an upside and a downside. Sure. The upside is there is that attention to detail, the focus. It's like we're all on a mission together. The downside is these are millionaires that, quite frankly, a lot of them are single. A lot of them don't want to be in Youngstown. Right, I, I've spent a lot of time in Youngstown, and it feels like the worst time for this. I know they didn't have a choice, but maybe they should have let it go. And you're letting Harbaugh's culture dictate? Like, they never did this before, did they? Not that I remember. Not that I recall. Bill Walsh wasn't staying in Youngstown. Mm-hmm. So I, it feels like they're grasping at the past to me. Hmm. And I hate it early. So, But go ahead. I... We're going to have to agree no. to disagree. I just thought that— I don't I, think I th- you even disagree. I don't, I'm thinking I'm bringing up things you haven't even contemplated. I, I think if you're a bad team, you're like, what are we doing, you know, in terms of spending a week away from our family and the like. But when you're a team that— First of all, let's get something straight. It's not about the family for these people. You get yeah. that? Yeah, away I mean, from all. These are young people who are millionaires. It, they, use, they might have baby mamas, but there's not a lot of, like, let's <laughs> take a walk— and, and hold hands. And again, I wouldn't have been that way either at that age. So let's get in reality. It's like Fez thinks his reality is everyone's reality. What were you like when you were 26, 27? Not like the average NFL player. But you weren't thinking about spending time with your family, were you? No. Okay. So why would they? Go well, ahead. I would be less distracted when I'm away from home in Youngstown, Ohio, and I could focus on my work. Which is the point. They just got done focusing on their work. The season starts, you know, so I don't know. Let's just say this. This is an opinion. I'm not saying that I'm right for sure. I think I'm right. Would you agree that this works better in the middle of the year? Yes. And it is strange that they're repeating something that that the prior coach did, or the two coaches back, but the coach at one last, right? It's almost like we're grasping at that. But, okay, any other thoughts? That's it. Matt? Major running back injuries for both teams here. Tevin Coleman out now and definitely Joe Mixon banged up for the Bengals. Um, So, I mean, serious injuries for both teams. And 
between the two about the same impact? Yeah, close. I mean, Coleman was a serious guy with Atlanta. That was a serious running back. But you right? still got Brito, who's a, I would say is who's questionable rather, this week. You'd rather have him than Bernard, though, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, next game. Let's see what we got left. We did the Vikings. We got the Raiders. And then we got, we did the Rams. We got the Broncos. All right, we got to go rapid fire. All right, Chief, best intentions. All right, Chiefs Raiders. Now, Fez, you actually liked this when this was in competition. Uh, the line's only seven at the Super Contest, which was a swayer. I think there's seven and a half out there. Go. Yeah, I like Oakland. It's all about Oakland's new weapons. Their new additions doing so well on offense, like what I saw from wide receiver Williams, the tight end Waller, the rookie running back out of Alabama, Jacobs, all of them exceeding expectations early. And that O-line, my biggest worry about the Raiders. Oh, my God, Von Miller and company, they're going to kill them with two linemen out for the Raiders. Raiders gave up no sacks against Denver, so I was very much surprised by how well Denver's, um, Oakland's offense played. I like Oakland. Yeah, I tell you, I agree in general that Oakland looks like they're trending with young players in the right direction, but it is one data point. So, And I'm a little worried that off of the Monday night game, the whole world saw them surprised when they got so much attention for A.B. being out. There might be an overreaction in their direction. I would have not guessed I would be tempted to play the Raiders. And, oh, by the way, I'm sick of fading Mahomes. And I'm surprised that I'm tempted to play the over on a game with a with a total of 53. But at the end of the day, I know that that Raiders defense, which came out really fired up last Monday night game here in Oakland Coliseum, rah, they – after those first three punts, I mean, Denver drove down the field, field goal, drove down the field, field goal, drove down the field, missed a field goal, drove down the field, field goal, drove down the field, touchdown. That Oakland defense didn't exactly get stops after the first three drives, but their offense certainly did prove that it has a little more firepower than maybe people thought. We know Kansas City has tons of firepower. Kansas City Chiefs, the only team to allow an opponent eight-plus yards per play and win a game. Um, last week. Last week. So certainly looks like you know, this thing could be a shootout, and I'm tempted to play over 53. I, As I heard your handicap, I don't disagree, but I, I feel like if you bet the Raiders here, you almost got to bet them with the over. No math. Oh, I'm sorry. Check it. With the under. Under. Sure. Under. No mathematical reason necessarily, but I guess with the dog, right? It's a little more inclined. But I'm thinking, do the Ra- if the Ra- think of the profile of this game at the Raiders cover. You think it's a shootout? I mean, I guess there's Well, a I don't like the Raiders either. Yeah. yeah. 20, 21 20, right? Well, I don't know. It could, yeah. But what I'm saying is, I don't see a shootout. Yeah, I agree. So, because really, all it's got to be, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you got the quadrants, right? Is even if it, you're like at 55, like if A happens, in this case, Oakland. Covered. I don't think with that total that high that it's that it's. Well, I, I'm not saying it's core. I'm, I'm saying I don't think it's above fifty two point three eight. I don't think the math of it is where yeah. you're just saying based upon the the distribution of scoring. But I'm saying as I think about the handicap of the Raiders winning, it's not a shootout, and it and it only needs to be what fifty five percent where you right. you've got to correlate it right. It's right. Even like, if the other play is only fifty percent. Yeah. So. Would you, would you say if I wanted to make you a bet, and I say if it goes under, we have a oh I'm sorry if the Raiders cover we have a bet on the total, and I'm willing to lay one ten. 
So that means I've got to be better than 52.38 on the second leg. Think on that because there's a lot of game. We might have some real action this year that there's no math to the correlation that I believe there's correlation. I would love to test it across the season. So if you decide by the end of this pod, great. I know you haven't thought about it, so we kind of sprung it on you, but which I hadn't thought of either, but I, I'd be interested. If I take this one, though, again, because I want to spread it out, mm-hmm. too. I don't want it all to come down to one. We have to do try to find them. Oh, weekly. no, no. I will commit to doing 10 this season. All right, let's think. That'll at least encourage me to think about it. Oh, okay? I thought you were going to say yes right now. Uh, it was right. a no-brainer. I don't know before, but I'm certainly so. So you do think there's now. a correlation then? Uh, I just I haven't put any thought into it, so I, I don't yeah, just want to throw anything out there. No, I I respect that. Anything else on this game? No. So you like him, Fess? I do. Oh, I like this one. Broncos against the Bears. Wow, Bears favored by two. Trubisky road favorite. A mile high, minus two and a half, moving towards three, it looks like. You like it, Fess? Yeah, I like Denver. It's all about how well Denver has played early in the year at home. And this is a trend that makes a lot of sense, right? That there's so much less hitting going on during camps and players not playing in preseason. They're not in game shape. Where is that going to show up? In altitude in Denver. Here's some numbers for you. If you simply play Denver early in the year in the first two weeks at home, Denver's 33-3. and Straight up, 22-11-3 against the spread. Now, I, I like this, but I don't love it, and here's why. Big rest differential. Chicago's got 10 days off, and Denver only six days off. It's the second game. But it's only the second game. I mean, how tired could you be? I still like Denver. Yeah, I uh, I love that. I mean, that's w- one of the great trends that isn't just pr- out there being discussed left and right. I mean, there's so much recycling of this stuff now, which is fine. It means it's out there. For the batters. I love that trend. And I love the fact we're moving towards a three. This is what is it in the super contest? Two and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Maddie, what do you think? I also like Denver. And I was actually encouraged by that offense that got off to a really slow start. The fact that they put five straight sustained drives together after that. And that showed me that Flacco can move the ball in this offense, even if they didn't finish all those drives at least. And um, I'm very well aware of the Denver trend already, and I, it was good to see some positive upside from that offense and some consistency, so I'm definitely on Denver. So Fangio's new, Flacco's new, I test. What, what jumped out? It's just one game, so we're saying, is there something other than the score for Denver? Maddie, you mentioned how they moved the ball fairly well after a slow start. Denver will have one of the three slowest paces of play in the whole league. They're just slow. They almost does huddle that up. Hurt, does that hurt the trend of the altitude? I don't know, but their pace of play is slow. Well, they, might, slow they might speed up at home. And Fangio, where did he come from? Well, he was the Bears' defensive coordinator. If anyone knows the Bears, it should be Fangio, right? Yeah. So how do we think about that? I usually like the better coach because the Bears know him, right? And to me, as much as I'm not as much in the Bears head coach's fan club, like a lot of people are, like because he's young and like these coaches, half of them are going to be out of the league in seven years or at least back to a Mm -hmm. coordinator. But it does feel like the Bears have the better coach, right? Oh, absolutely. So don't you think when they know each other that the – that the Bears, whoever the better coaches, has an edge? Normally, yes. But I think that Trubisky, a lot of people have been talking about how he's got some fundamental. He's got fund. Yes, exactly. Fundamental problems where if he rolls in one direction, he cannot throw in the other direction at all. And Fangio should know that. 
Well, you know it because <laughs> well, you heard someone talk about it. But he it. knows what the truth is. Yeah, that's an inter- that is an interesting point. If you have a limited court or limited quarterback, especially the player being familiar with the limitations, now that's a good one. We're going to give it – I had to draw it out of him. Fez. Eagles on the road, favored by one and a half at Atlanta. Fezzy on Atlanta. Oh, fading the overreaction. Yeah, I'm going to like Atlanta just because I know they got their butts kicked by Zimmer in Minnesota. They're plus three in turnovers at, excuse me, minus three in turnovers. And you blink and that game was over basically. So we're saying not only the turnovers, but it was. There was kind of a avalanche, which made it di- everyone got out of their game plan. Exactly, it was twenty-one nothing. You blink, and the game is over. Bottom line is, I know Atlanta got a lot of these yards in the second half, but Atlanta won the yardage by eighty yards. A little bit of a misleading final. Things just whoa, went- whoa, 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 whoa. Not because of the yardage, because I mean, by definition, when the other team, when Maddie's saying, "Oh, I'm not sure how much I trust Minnesota because they ran so much." And then you tell me, oh, it's misleading because of the yardage. It's like those don't go together. Let me stick with the turnovers. The three turnovers are the key handicapping factor that Atlanta got out of the game early. And because of that, I think Atlanta is a little bit undervalued. Yeah, it's hard enough to overcome that kind of turnover margin. If it's all at once, it just gets you out of your game. Matt? I'm going to go ahead and green button it. Woo! I love it. He can't. Uh, I mean, he can't. Oh, I guess you were. You know, that was actually a crossfire. We got to get our notes straighter. So you go ahead and look. You know, we talk about some of these teams that don't play their starters in the preseason and how it affects them in that first half of the first game. Who did that affect more than the Philadelphia Eagles? You talk about teams stuck 21 nothing. How about Philly? They were stuck, what, 14 or 21 nothing uh, to the Washington Redskins at home in that game. But unlike the Atlanta Falcons, who packed it in, mailed it in, called it a day, the Philadelphia Eagles not only came back to win that game, but were covering an almost double-digit point spread with two minutes to go in the game after being stuck uh, 21 to start. What we saw was... That Eagles team is really good. That offense is really good. And now that they got that, hey, we didn't play in the preseason rust out of the way, I get a lot better football team here in the Eagles at a pick and price. I'm going to go ahead and take Philly. I'm tempted to jump on with Faz. Mm. What's the, uh, here's my thinking. Atlanta has Cutter as OC. I mentioned it last week, Matt Ryan threw more passes in the preseason than any established starter, trying to get some reps, even though Cutter had been with him prior times. I love that. You could say, oh, off or not. But now the question is, I think we all agree, the game, if there's any game, the result probably means the least. It's that game where everyone, both teams get out of their game. And that's what we're left with is an Atlanta team. What was their win total, Fez? 8.75. And Philadelphia? 10.3. All right. He, I like that he can do that. All right. So 1.25. So 1.5, one and a half games. Yes. Okay. So how many points is that typically? I know these are guesstimates. Uh, 2.3 times one and a half. So 3.6. 3.6 points on your power rating. Yes. Okay. So under that theory, the line should be in Atlanta is borderline three and a half, right? 
I mean, they have a really good home field in that dome. I give them three. Yeah, but I'm saying yeah. is, it's 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 three for sure, right? Mm-hmm. It's no kind of 2.9. So my point is, this game should be about pick them. And we're we, getting a little value. And we got the situational good spot where we, all things being equal, we'd much rather play the 0-1 straight-up team against the 1-0 straight-up team. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, the Eagles, if I had to say, do you want to randomly play them in, let's say, even week three, if you haven't even looked at the game, or in week 12, doesn't this team get better because of Wentz? I don't think the rush just disappeared. I mean, with Wentz being as hurt like he was. He pretty or, good second half of that game. Yeah, but when you're losing against a bad team, you tend to look good, right? They throw them from Maybe. behind. I think Atlanta's defense is one of the six worst in the whole NFL. All right, Fazzy, I'm going with you, baby. All right, jump in. I'll let you buy out for 30 bucks. Nope, there's no way I'm buying out. <laughs> good, no buyout. <laughs> no way I'm buying out of this game. Ain't going to be no rematch. Don't want one. <laughs> Last game. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Oh, my God, this is going to be... I haven't even really listened to Colin as much this week. What's the odds that he doesn't have <laughs> the Jets? He loves Sam Darnold, and he hates Baker Mayfield. Browns, though, favored by two and a half on the road at the Jets. What do you think, Fess? Yeah, I lean to the Jets. Number one handicap, Greg Williams, former Cleveland defensive coordinator. He was the interim coach for the Browns, and they didn't retain him. I think that this is a personal game that Greg Williams desperately wants to win now that he's with the Jets and their DC. I mean, a guy that just shows up there that like explain that to me because I'm thinking that the players don't owe him anything. He comes in as the face of Bounty Gate, so there's going to be some ambivalence, right? Mhm. And I mean, some might love it, some might be ah this guy and the idea that let's just say who's going to try harder, Williams? Well, I just think he's he's Williams got going to work. No, he knows coordinator the, for an NFL team is going to work hard. No, it's back to him knowing the Browns, and so that. Oh, he but can you didn't ex- mention that. Yeah. So he can he should be able to exploit his knowledge of the Browns, and but that goes both ways, right? You know, you say it goes both ways. I think the coach has the edge here, but the, both coaches, meaning it's not as if the head coach or all the coaches on the Browns don't know his defense. They go against his defense in practice every day, right? Yes. So it's coach against coach. Yes. One just leaves. Yes. So, I, and I don't think Williams is any kind of tactician. He's more of a emotion. We're going to be physical. We're going to yeah. be shocked by, they'll be shocked by our physicality. But even, how much could this be worth? Like a half a point at most? Yeah, so it's just a lean. So that's your handicap. That's it. Everything else is exactly right. No comment about Darnold. No, I mean. Well, I'm, I'm worried about the Jets because. So I want a full handicap. Okay, here's the full handicap. Why I don't want to bet the Jets. The Jets are hurting at linebacker. If you watch that Jets-Buffalo game, part of the reason that the Jets lost that game is because their middle linebacker, Mosley, went out and got injured. Now, I haven't got an update whether he's playing or not. But the Jets already questionable. Their Jets already had cluster injuries at linebacker. Copeland William, and Williamson. And Williamson. They had two linebackers that were already hurt. So you add this Mosley injury as well, and all of a sudden I cannot trust the Jets defense. There you go. 
And not to mention their offense. Again, we talked about it. Lowest yards per play in the week one, 3.4 yards per play. That's not going to be helped this week by the fact that uh, Quincy Anuma is now on the IR with a neck injury. Things not getting better. I was never sold on Sam Darnold to start, but I certainly wasn't sold after a really ugly week one performance and now losing a second string receiver. And when you have that much of a net turnover edge like the Jets, the chance of winning the game, it's 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 really un- unusual to lose the game. So that's not a good sign. Darnold didn't look great, right? Not a good sign. Now, what I will say, I didn't watch this game. Listening to WFAN, and they've got some hardcore fans uh, as hosts. They were like, Mosley was as good as anyone they've seen in five years on the field at the beginning of that game. So I think this is a guy that is worth a half point, if not a little bit more, it sounds like. He was awesome in Baltimore. I mean, this is a really good football player. Yeah, and I think in general the Jets overpaid for almost every major acquisition, but they got better. They had so much cap space. It's really not about for this year. It's almost like that Houston trade. I thought it was a horrible trade, but they are better this year. That's right. right. And I think the Jets are clearly better. Even if Darnold's the same, the Jets are clearly better. Yeah. All right, guys. Good stuff. We moved as fast as we can. Still not as quick as we thought. Feds, you guys. Oh, we got those final best bets. We can't. Oh, listen, we can't tease those and not give them. And we can't skip this. Go, Fez, go. Prop bet. I'm going to go Tom Brady under 270 pass yards. Now, I expect it to come around 280, but 270 is as low as I would go. Here's my handicap. So this is, uh, just to be clear, the price isn't out yet. You're given a buy price. That's right. So the buy, buy price is under 270. It is all about... I don't think New England wants to throw the ball and risk Tom Brady with not one but two linemen out. So their center, Andrews, is out, and the right tackle, Marcus Cannon, is out. I expect because of that, New England will run the ball Ooh, I love this. more so, second half. Yeah, so tell me, all things equal, no game specific, but on the road, I guess, matters. And, what, and not adjusting for the spread, not adjusting for the history, what's the, right, what's the Brady guess on not the buy price, but what's his number come out of that? I think 280 because he averaged 272 last year, mm-hmm. but he threw for 342 last All week. Right. So if this comes out at the at the number that doesn't seem to account for this, I think just the simple uh, best practice idea that Belichick's history when he gets up big is the flat is to take the air out of the ball. Brady's old. If you can have him only throw 11 passes, that'd be great, right? Exactly. I love a 280. I love it. What do you think of that, real quick? I like it. What do you got? I got a big Ben Roethlisberger under 284 and a half passing yards this week. Since they started that new offense, not only did he not look comfortable last week, but it's predicated on throwing these short passes. That's not big Ben style. It's taking him a while to get used to this style. And I think even though Seattle got burned for some big pass plays last week, that just the style that the Pittsburgh Steelers are running isn't going to be able to take advantage of it. And everyone on that coaching staff said, despite the 33-3 to, to three loss to the New England Patriots, they do not plan on overreacting and changing that offense. They How impl- could you change it in the middle of the season? That's right. They implemented that new, well, they could go back to what they've done Big Ben's whole career, but that's the offense they're going to run. They're not even going to talk about tweaking it yet. 
So, and I think that in that offense, which Big Ben isn't comfortable, he's not going to throw for a ton of yards. It's hard to in that offense. I like Big Ben under. Smith Schuster still questionable? Yes. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.